Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family Radio. We are continuing our study in worldview and particularly how parents can pass on and teach a worldview to their children. And the course of our studies is based around seven questions related to worldview. And we're at question number six today, which is, what's wrong with the world and what's the solution? One of the most frequently asked religious questions is something like this. If God is all-powerful, then why is there so much evil, suffering, disease, and death in the world? In other words, what's wrong? What's wrong with the world? The best answer that I could find is from a reported discussion that went on in one of London's newspapers. Now, I couldn't substantiate this story, even from the American Chesterton Society, although they think it could be true, but if it, even if it isn't, it gets to the point. They were having a discussion of what is wrong with the world. It's our worldview question today. And Chesterton's letter is reported to have read, Dear Sir, what is wrong with the world? I am, period. Yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. You see, the problem with the world isn't somewhere out there. Unfortunately, it's it's in here, it's in me, it's in you. Something has gone wrong, fundamentally wrong, internally with the entire human race. But the good part of this, and this is where the solution will eventually come in, things were not always this way, and things will not always be this way. We read in the third chapter of Genesis, right towards the end of that chapter, it says that, God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. There wasn't so much evil, suffering, disease, and death in the world. It was good, and one day it will again be like that on earth. But we know what happened. Original sin and a lot of people think of original sin as strictly something that happened in people's lives. Well, it's certainly true it's something that happened in people's lives. In other words, original sin caused an alienation between people and God, a separation. But it wasn't limited to this. And I've basically listed several things here that the things we regard as what's wrong with the world, well, it's fundamentally our alienation from God. That's number one. But what about number two? In the same chapter of the Bible, you read about the original sin of Adam and Eve. You find the first marital argument. In other words, marriage takes a hit as a result of original sin. Adam said, the woman you gave me she gave me the, the fruit of the tree and I ate. In other words, he blamed Eve for his sin. Uh, you only have to turn the page in Genesis to chapter 4 and you find a further weakening of marriage with a fellow named 
Lamech, who took two wives. One was Ida and the other was Zillah. And so we move from blaming your spouse to having two spouses. And just wait a little bit. I'll tell you a little bit more about that polygamous family. He wouldn't have been a great guy to be living with. And then you see the consequences not only in individuals, not only in marriage among spouses and then the decline of marriage, but you see it spread through the family. Also in Genesis chapter 4, it says that Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, this isn't just something that went on in Genesis chapter 4, because according to FBI reports, and I just found one from the year 2011, but it'll apply for today, 54% of those murdered were killed by somebody they knew, an acquaintance, a friend, a boyfriend, somebody close. 24.8% of victims were slain by family members. And if you watch any of the cops and robbers show, who do they investigate first after a murder? Family members. How sad is this? And this is a consequence of sin spreading. Yes, from individuals to marriages, through families. And it gets worse. What about war? When you think of it, we're all one huge human family. And in a sense, war is brother killing brother. I'm thinking particularly of the American Civil War, where you literally had at times brother killing brother. I can remember watching a YouTube video of Billy Graham, Reverend Billy Graham, towards the end of his life, speaking to the heads of all these high-tech companies in Silicon Valley. And I was very interested how he would basically reach out to them and give them something of a hook to show their need for Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, you're very skilled. You can develop all these things, create all of these things. But then he asked, why do we constantly kill each other in senseless wholesale slaughter? And even more importantly, why can't we seem to stop this? And it goes right back to our alienation from God and what it does to us. In Genesis 4, Lamech said to his wives, Hear my voice, you wives, plural, hearken to what I say. I have slain a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech will be avenged 77-fold. In other words, if you slap me, I'm going to murder you. In other words, this is how revenge and conflict and war spreads. It's unlimited, practically, because of what's going on, again, fundamentally from our alienation from God. In the book of James in the New Testament, the question is asked, What causes wars and what causes fighting among you? Is it not your passions that are at war in your members? You desire and do not have, so you kill. And you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and wage war. And St. James in his epistle was not only talking about 
physical wars between nations and peoples. It was also talking about religious conflicts right within the Christian community. We are fractured inside our very selves because of original sin. This is what went wrong with the world. And as a result, our marriages fracture, our families fracture, our societies fracture. And there's another fracturing that I think it's worth sharing with your children today because in most schools, there's going to be a great emphasis placed on the environment and the harm that's being done to the environment in today's world. Very seldom, even in religious schools, is our alienation from God shown to be a root cause of our alienation from the earth. In fact, the environmental movement has almost completely missed the worst disruptor to the environment that's in the world today. Notice, I'm going to read to you three verses from Genesis, and notice how they connect. In Genesis chapter 3, God said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring to you. In other words, there is going to be a direct connection. There's going to be an alienation, starting an alienation from God, marriages, families, societies, but even the very earth, the ground, is going to start producing weeds instead of the abundance of things it so easily produced without weeds beforehand. Ah, but in the modern world, we have Roundup. We can take care of the weeds. In fact, Newsweek reported that there's been about 9.4 million tons of that chemical that's at in Roundup that causes the death of weeds has been sprayed onto fields worldwide and about a half a pound of Roundup on every cultivated acre of land in the entire world has been nuked by Roundup, which the World Health Organization has listed as a possible or probable carcinogen, cancer-causing. You see, we're looking for a solution to something that we're not tracing it back to what's wrong with the world. When the alienation from God came, there is a curse on the ground because of that sin. And let's go a little bit further. I mentioned to you in Genesis 4, when Cain killed Abel, this is what God says in chapter 4 and verse 10 of Genesis. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me, from the ground. In other words, the earth itself, the land, the ground is reacting to the shedding of innocent blood that's on the ground. And the next verse, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. 
and verse 12 of chapter 4, and when you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength. You know, in today's world, I have honestly wondered, just right here in the United States, if God can possibly hear our prayers. You know, like, whoa, 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 that, that's heresy. Well, I know God truly seeks and does hear our prayers, but he also hears the screams of millions of abortions that have taken place in this land. And cursed is the ground because of what you've done, God said to Abel. Cursed is the ground, and you will, when you till the ground, it's going to have negative reactions. Oh, but we can overcome that. Let's just apply chemicals. Let's apply pesticides. Let's apply herbicides. Oh, cancer rates are rising everywhere despite spending millions to stop. You know, we're not getting to the root of what's going wrong. There are consequences. And here's the probably the strongest verse in the Bible about all of this, and it's overlooked. It's from Isaiah 24 and verse 4. It says, the earth mourns and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish together with the earth. In other words, there's cosmic consequences to the physical universe and the environment and the ground as a result of sin. Again, Isaiah 24 and verse 5, the earth lies polluted under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth. Now, I like clean water. I love clean air. I love natural beauty and forest and trees. And yes, there's a lot of culprits we can point fingers at. And yes, we should reduce our emissions. Yes, we should reduce our pollutions. But fundamentally, what is wrong with the world is sin, which has alienated us from God, from our spouses, from our family members, from our fellow man, and from the earth itself. And in a certain sense, it even alienates us from our very selves. So uh, what's the solution to all of this? Well, how you approach something so phenomenally comprehensive. I wanted to show you just these past few minutes that sin isn't just something that a little something in us that needs to be dealt with us. It is the fundamental problem what's going on in the world. And we often take marriage problems or family problems or the problems of war between nations or peoples or the environmental problems and try to detach those from the fundamental cause, and they seem to continually go on, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much money we spend, and sometimes the solutions make the problems even worse. The solution to what's wrong with the world, if you can remember the Humpty Dumpty rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. In other words, that's Genesis 3. It was good, but he had a great fall and no one could put Humpty Dumpty back together again. We need a solution 
outside of ourselves for the fundamental problems, period, in the world that can be traced back to something inside ourselves. And we can't, by ourselves, fix ourselves because the problem, as Chesterton said, is me. It's in us. So we can try to change social structures and ignore sin. We can try to improve the environment and ignore sin. We can try to use money or education to restore the fundamental balance and healing to the world. Yeah, money and education can certainly help restore, but to try to do and use those things to change fundamentally with wrong in the world will not accomplish it. To restore the balance between God and humans and creation is what the Bible calls a peace or shalom. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one in place of alienation between people and God, between married life, family life, community life, and even life in our world. He can restore it through his peace. And that first restoration that takes place, and it's most fundamental and most needed, is very often expressed in St. Paul's epistles, grace to you and peace. This is fundamentally what Jesus Christ will give to any man, woman, or child of any nationality, any background, grace and peace. And once grace and peace invade the human heart, there's a restoration of our relationship with God. What should we expect once there's that peace, that shalom between our individual lives and God? Well, it's very interesting that the Gospel of John shows us the very first thing that Jesus Christ did during his three-year ministry. You know, it wasn't just by chance he did this first miracle at a marriage ceremony, at a wedding in Cana. Jesus showed his first miracle because he came to restore grace and peace. And the most immediate impact on that will be married life. And I dare say there's, there's a lot of good programs, there's a lot of good counselors, but if you're having serious marital problems, the problem isn't necessarily your spouse. Just think of Chesterton's letter. Dear sir, what's wrong with the world? Let's change that. Dear sir, what's wrong with my marriage? I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. Just put your name in there. We bring the problem. And for having restoration with God will bring restoration to marriage. That's why we have faith and family life for this radio show. It's just not family life because there has to be something outside of ourselves that faith appropriates that we can find a restoration of marriage and family life. And when you have internal peace, it expresses itself in married life and in family life. What about the human divisions? 
particularly war. And, you know, maybe at this time, there's a certain part of our population that volunteers for military service. And so except for those families, war may seem kind of like something for the history books. It's been a while since a lot of people experienced a world war up front firsthand. So it's not so big a deal. It is a big deal. And war, just because we have the United Nations, will not go away. The reason we have war, I've already shown you what's wrong with the world and where it starts and what causes it. Remember that bloodthirsty Lamech back in Genesis chapter 4? He told his polygamous wives that uh, if I have been avenged, I am going to take vengeance 77-fold. Well, look what happens when Jesus comes. Peter in Matthew 18 says to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, Jesus is obviously changing things, and Peter has this insight. So he thinks, I'm going to really do a stretch here. As many as seven times? And what does Jesus do? He turns around and says to Peter, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, this is impossible. When somebody bruises our ego, and remember the human ego was bloated. If you know, want to know what sin did when our alienation from God, if you've heard me several times, you spell it S-I-N, but make that I, a big bloated I. That's what causes the desire for the revenge. That's what goes from family problems to war, even world war. And we can't stop world war without Jesus Christ. You are not going to find people forgiving seven times or 77 times apart from Jesus Christ. You're not going to find nations willing to forgive 77 times. That's part of the restoration, the redemption. That's the solution for what's gone wrong in the world. Now, I'd like to also mention, again, I'm coming back to the environmental movement because that seems to be kind of coming into perspective as one of the major problems of the world. It's being used as an excuse to consolidate national governments into world government. And we need to remember that we're not living in normal conditions. I said earlier that things were not always this way. Things were very good, according to God's pronouncement, and they got messed up as a result of original sin that has gone through not only our human relationships, but even the relationship with this earth. And the Bible speaks quite clearly that there's going to be a restoration to normal conditions, to a condition where the creation is again pronounced very good. This is the normal condition of the world. We're living in an abnormal time at this period of human history. Isaiah chapter 60 says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow, the bear shall feed 
Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the restoration. This is the solution for what's wrong with the world. This is what the Messiah will do. In the meantime, he's kind of waiting for all of us to have our personal restoration with him because once we have the shalom inside our lives and our family lives and our marriages and our societies, it's expressed to the world. And God says in Isaiah 65, he'll create a new heavens and a new earth and be glad and rejoice because there will no more shall be heard the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. And in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, it says that the creation now waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, that creation has been subjected to futility. In other words, because of the sin of humans, the entire cosmos has been put into a disturbed, unnatural state. But when God returns, he's going to change us, remove uh, every disturbance of sin from the world. Those who choose to attach themselves to sin and refuse to budge from it, they will have to be removed from the scene to a place that um, we call hell because he wants to restore the world. But in order to restore the world, sin has to be dealt with either through the grace and peace that comes through the Messiah, or if your stubborn will says, I don't want any of that, you're going to be removed so that the whole creation can be restored and find that peace that was there initially, that God's intention that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, will bring. So when we're talking about worldview and we say what's wrong with the world, we don't have to duck that question. There's a lot wrong with the world. And when we say sin, we're not just saying something that's inside people. It is certainly something that's inside people, but it's also something that pervades our earth and our relationships that Jesus Christ came to heal. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 202 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.